you have to know that one of the most unpopular sermons that any preacher could ever preach is a sermon on the subject of giving. And of course, I would be that preacher who drew that straw. Well, when you think about why sermons on giving oftentimes are unpopular, I think it's because oftentimes as preachers, we often focus on more. That when we talk about giving, we're always talking about giving more, giving more, giving more. And as a result, that can sometimes just frustrate us as we hear about this giving more, talking about money like this. Sometimes it just may challenge us in ways that we're uncomfortable with. Maybe even there's a sense sometimes of guilt because of how we feel like we're giving or not giving. Well, sometimes those things are true, and that's why sermons on giving can be very unpopular. But as we conclude this series on the power of grace... After having seen so many of the different facets and nuances of grace that we've been talking about these weeks, after having seen all of that, we would have fallen far short of this topic of grace if we didn't do this, if we didn't show you the direct correlation between the power of grace and giving. The power of grace and giving. I just want to show you this snapshot. As we think about the picture and the idea of grace through giving, I want to make this promise to you. This promise this morning is not, this lesson this morning is not going to be how we should give more. This sermon is about why. Why it is that we are already giving what we're giving. As you look at these numbers, you can see for yourself that just in this last year, we're just talking about this last year, so far in this year, you're seeing this snapshot of the giving spirit of this congregation. That they're looking out in so many different ways and they see the needs and the challenges of people and they're giving to that in in all kinds of different ways. That's above hundreds and thousands of dollars above the $41,000 that you're giving every single week. And I give you this picture for this reason. When you look at how much you're giving... If you were to look at it from the perspective of those who are outside of Christ, they would see this picture as crazy. You hear what I'm saying? They would look at this and they would say, why? Why would you be giving so much of what you work so hard to get? 
Why would, you, why would you be doing that? They would look at this and they would think, I, I don't understand why you do this. Well, we have an answer for that. And the reason why you give the way you give, it's the same answer we've been giving, Bill, over the last eight weeks. And that answer is grace. The power of grace that's at work within our hearts. That's why you do what you do. Let me take you back this morning. Let me take you back to what I consider to be a story about some Christians that I believe are the champions of the power of grace in giving. People that I think are are, are showing this power of grace through giving like maybe none others ever have done in the past. But let me give you some historical background. But look at this map. As Paul the Apostle is going back through the churches that he and other ministers and missionaries have established, they're going back from Jerusalem, back throughout the west over there, and they are touching bases and teaching these churches again more about what faith in Christ looks like, how to live by faith in Christ. But as they make these return visits, as they make one, two, three trips in these areas, what they're also doing, especially Paul, is he's going to each one of these areas and he's asking them, he's, he's inviting them to join in this special collection that he is gathering for the famine-starved Christians all the way back in Jerusalem and in the area of Judea. And so that's part of what he's doing. As he returns and he encourages in them faith, he's just inviting them to join in this special collection. If you were to go back to 1 Corinthians, the end of the chapter, chapter 16, 1 through 5, you see again this little picture that he gives of how he's doing much of this. But as you look there, one of the places that he's going to end up in is he's going to end up back up here where that orange arrow is. He's going to end up back among the churches of the Macedonians. He's going to go there. He's going to strengthen their faith. He's going to encourage them. But he's going to invite them as well into this special contribution for those who are suffering under famine back in Jerusalem. So, as history tells us, he did in fact go to Macedonia as he said he was going to do, but what I want you to see is I want you to see how they reacted to his invitation to be a part of this giving ministry he was involved in. Look at First Corinthians or Second Corinthians chapter eight, and you can read it on the screen along with me as well. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1, he's going to tell us what his experience was when he talked to the Macedonians. He says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given to the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. 
They urgently pled with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. You see, as Paul goes back and he, he makes that, that, that plea or he gives them that invitation to participate in this special giving, the first thing that I see here is that he tells me, he tells us the why. He reveals why it is that they gave the way that they gave. It's right there in verse 1. He says, We want to make known to you the grace of God which has been given in the churches of Macedonia. And here's the deal. is that It's kind of difficult. These words are kind of cumbersome as to what it is Paul is exactly saying in these words. But as I looked at the different biblical scholars, there seems to be this consensus that what Paul is doing here is he's trying to highlight what the grace of God has done in the lives of the Macedonians. This is not so much about the Macedonians themselves, but what the grace of God within the Macedonian context has actually accomplished. You see, what they've done is, is they seem to have taken to heart. They seem to have taken to heart the amazing grace that they have been shown. All that amazing grace that we've been singing about this morning. That, that amazing grace that Noah said, you know, we need to think about that. They have taken that to heart. They've taken to heart all of the salvation. They've taken to heart the eternal life. They've taken to heart all the spiritual blessings that's come to them in in the grace of Jesus Christ. And all of that has changed their hearts. I don't know what hearts they had before the grace of God, but all I know is right now, because of that, they now have grace hearts. They, are, they have these hearts that are full and rich and empowered by the very grace of God. They walk each day through life with the enormity of God's grace moving and directing the very beating of their heart. In, in, in other words, they're looking and they're realizing the, the greatness of all of God's goodness and all of His mercy and blessings that, that have been poured out in their lives by grace, and they want to allow that to move and motivate their attitudes and actions for life, especially when it comes to other people. That is the power of grace. So here's the, here, here's the thing. As Paul told the Macedonians about, he came to them and he told them about the famine and those Christians that were in need back there in, in Jerusalem, in the Judean area. As he told them about their plight, what happened is, is it hit them right in their grace hearts. They, they could understand it intellectually like we all can, but when they heard about their suffering, it hit them right in their grace hearts, and they wanted to make sure that somehow they could return that grace to them. And that became the thing that, that, that drove the very beating of their hearts when it, came, when it came to giving. Instead of responding, look at what they could have done. Instead of responding to Paul's invitation to help these people out over here. Instead of responding 
out of hearts that were rooted in their affliction. Instead of hearts that were rooted in their, uh, their great poverty, instead of looking at Paul and going, are you nuts? <laughs> Have you seen what we're dealing with here in Macedonia? And you want us to get, how, how about them giving to us? Instead of responding out of those type of hearts, they responded out of grace hearts, grace hearts that Paul says were abundantly full of joy and the spirit of generosity. And not only that, but it says in the text that they begged. They begged Paul for the opportunity to participate in this collection. It's amazing that they did that. But not when you know the power of grace within the human heart. Because it had changed their lives forever. And did you notice this, that as you look into that text, that Paul never talks about how much? He never talked about how much they gave. All he does throughout this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, all he does is highlight the why. And the why is that because the grace of God is now moving them to show grace to others. He didn't talk about how much. He just talks about the fact that the reason they did is because the power of grace is at work within their lives. As I look at this picture that we see in 2 Corinthians 8 of what I'm calling grace hearts, I see several really beautiful things about grace hearts. First of all, I see that, that grace hearts trust God beyond their circumstances. As, as Paul says to the Macedonians, or he said, tells the Corinthians that the Macedonians first gave their hearts to God, verse 2. As he says, as they first gave their hearts to God, what he's revealing there is the fact that they have this supreme trust in God, regardless of their affliction. Regardless of their great poverty, they still put their hope and their trust fully in God. They trust, they have a trust that allows them to see beyond their own needs, to see beyond their own situation and step out and beyond that situation by faith and display the spirit of giving and trust God completely to provide. Provide enough for them and provide enough for themselves. You see, it's the power of grace that allows them to see and look beyond that moment and trust God in their circumstances. When I think about that trust, it's not just the trust I see that they had in God in their giving there in Macedonia, but it reminds me, and maybe it reminds you too, of the trust that the widow had. That trust that in, in God's providence that allowed her that out of her poverty, she was able to give all that she had. She gave her two copper coins. Why? Because she trusted 
she had a grace heart that was full of trust in God. So, as I see that, as I see that trust in the Macedonians, and I see that spirit of trust in that widow, I have to tell you, honestly, I see that trust right here at sunset. When you look back at that, that snapshot of the giving that's taken place this year and will continue to give to the end, as you look at that, what it's showing is trust. And, and that snapshot of 2021 is the same snapshot that we would see in 2020. And during this whole pandemic in which we had reason to worry about finances, when, when we had reason to see our own financial struggles, and we had reason to think that maybe there might be worse things coming ahead, you know what? You kept giving out of grace hearts. You kept giving because the grace of God had changed your hearts forever. And regardless of the circumstances, you were able to give and bless and bless others. That's the power. That's the power of grace. And then another beautiful attribute I see is that grace hearts prove the sincerity of their love. As, as Paul is talking again to the Corinthians about the Macedonians, there's this idea that, that they proved their love through their giving. Listen to these verses. Chapter 8, verse 7. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us. See that you also excel in this grace of giving. I love that statement. And I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnest of others, the earnestness of others. Paul is saying to the, the, the Corinthians, as you get ready to make your giving, I want you to prove your love, the sincerity of your love, the same way the Macedonians did. And it's not about how much, remember. I want you to prove your, your love. It's not, this, this grace heart doesn't, Paul says, it doesn't come from a command. Grace hearts aren't compelled. They're not pushed. Somebody's not kicking them to, to give. And, and, and they're not being cajoled into giving to others and their needs. They're always moved by sincere love. It's love that compels them to do that out of the spirit of grace. It's a love that, that is able to look beyond the differences between, between the Macedonians and the Judeans, between the Jews and the Gentiles. It's, it's, a, it's a, a vision that allows them to look beyond nationality, to look beyond race, to look beyond uh, status. And what happens is, is grace hearts only see the others as being equally dear to God as they see themselves. Don't you see yourself dear to God? Yes. And you love yourself because of that? Well, God sees everybody else as being just as dear to Him. And when we see that and we understand that, we will want to show them as much love as what we show ourselves. And that's the power of grace at work within us. We'll want to see them and do see them as worthy of all the graciousness that we can give even as God has given. You see, 
Christians give because it's not enough to say, I love you. Jeff, it's not enough for me just to say, I love you. Sean, it's not, it's, it's not enough for me to say, and I love you too. And, and Diana, it's not, real, it's not enough for me to even say how much I love you. You see, saying I love you is not enough. You have to prove the sincerity of your love. And that's what the Macedonians did in the way and the spirit that they gave. They gave, they proved their love, and here's how they did it. They reflected the love of Jesus in their giving. See what he says in verse 9. Look down in verse 9. He says, this is a love that looks like Christ, who although he was rich, became poor on our behalf so that we might become rich. That's the kind of love and grace that Jesus poured out into our lives. And is that not the same type of love and grace that we want to pour out into the lives of others? That's the why. That's the why we do what we do. I see grace hearts also as reacting to inequity. Look again at what Paul writes to the Corinthians. He's he's trying to encourage them to to fulfill what they said they were going to give. And he says this, this to them. For if the willingness is there... The gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Verse 13. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be, he says, equality. As it is written, he who gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. You see, grace hearts are those who are looking out there, and they're seeing those who have need and those who are lacking, and they want to somehow relieve it. They're not at peace when there is inequity in the basic needs of the Christian family. When they look at brothers and sisters and they see that those basic needs of life are not being taken care of, the grace heart says, I want to help that. I want to give to that. I want to try to solve, solve that issue. So they react, I think, with, with three powerful spirits within them. They see that and they say, I should and I can and I will. Not, well, you know, I, uh, they, I should, and I can, and I will. Grace hearts are always going to beat with those three rhythms. I should, and I can, and I will. I will give so that we all equally enjoy lives without the despair of need. You, me, everyone. This has been the heart of the church from the very beginning. When you look back at Acts chapter 4, 
verses 32 and following, you see that from the very birth of the church, the spirit of, of, of making sure needs are taken care of is right there in verse 32. One of the things I like there is just they had one heart. I think that's the grace heart. They had one heart, and they looked around, and they paid attention to everyone who had need, and they gave what they could, and it ends up saying, and there was no needy person among them. No one told them to do it. They didn't have to do it. It wasn't the law to do it, but their grace hearts were compelling them to do it. That's the power of grace. So this morning... What's the answer? As the world or maybe other people look at us and they ask, why? Why do you Christians, why have the Christians throughout the ages, why do you here at sunset and Christians other? why is it that you give so much? And the answer is, again, it's all about the grace. It's all about the grace that God has poured out into our lives. You see, listen, it's not about that we're just naturally generous givers. It's not about the fact that we, our, our giving's not about whether we have too much or we have too little. Our giving still to this day, like the Macedonians, revolves around the fact that we have the enormity of God's grace dwelling and beating within our very hearts every single day. And thus, when we see the need to give toward the needs of others and to the kingdom, we do. And we do that with great joy and generosity like the Macedonians, and we do that by trusting in God, by loving others as much as we love ourselves, and by the desire of the heart to relieve those needs. Let me tell you, needs, the need for giving is never going away. And sometimes it's going to be greater than lesser. But here's what I know. As long as we give out of grace hearts, there will always be enough always be enough. This morning, I hope you, first and foremost, are enjoying the grace of Jesus' salvation. That you put your faith in Him, that you've confessed Him as Lord, you've repented of your sins, you, you put Him on in baptism and received the forgiveness of your sins, the grace of God that fills our life. If you haven't done that, our greatest joy would be to see you do it today while we stand and while we sing.